When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to the Leaves That Podcast. I'm Paul and tonight I'm joined by James. Can we talk about something else? Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the pandemic? <laughs> no, let's not talk about that. Hi, hello. Uh, and Rocco. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Well, this podcast is to summarise two things that are completely contrasting, but have the same thing in common. Nil points. So I think that's part of my message that I want to get across, is that you can get beat 7-0, and you can beat, get beat 3-2 and be completely aggrieved by it in the last couple of kicks of the game. You still get the same number of points. And if we beat Arsenal, I know it's a big if, and get three points, that would be the same as just having drawn all three of them. That's how football works. So, uh, you know, we can, uh, we could, we will probably dwell on a few things from both games, but my overriding message is, well, I guess we've, we've still got nothing out of either of them, but in different <laughs> ways. There's no positive spin there, is there, from Paul? The usual positive spin, it's just a, a taste of reality. Well, I, I just think the slight bit of perspective is that, well, I I don't know, you get into excuses, but as I said, I was I, I was adding up the cost of their squad or the cost of their bench or single players on their bench that cost more than our first team put together and stuff like that. And you realise, if you didn't do before, that you, you're playing a different... You're competing in different sports of these teams. Like, you get to play in the same competition, but it's, it's not really, is it? No, bring back the Super League. It was a great idea. <laughs> sack them off and make our competition competitive again. I've got a positive spin. Um, The 7-0 drubbing will um, increase our motivation for Saturday. We'll come out like cage tigers, like that West Brom game, and uh, and beat Arsenal 4-0. What about that? That's a very positive spin. Mm. Because 
I mean, that's the same spin that I did in getting beat in the last minute with a penalty will increase our motivation for Tuesday, <laughs> but we'll see whether it works this time. So let's go back to Saturday. It, we've gone 1-0 up, and it's not against the run of play. We're, you know, we're toe-to-toe with, with Chelsea, and we're full of optimism. What happened? Well, I was at a kid's birthday party. Is that what you mean when you say what happened? What went wrong at Chelsea? Um, I don't think an awful lot did go wrong, really, did it? I think there was some individual errors that cost us, and that's just the nature of it at this this level. I think um, I, I wrote it down um, because it was playing on my mind at the time was that, you know, Mateus Click obviously got so much stick um, on Twitter and then decided to leave. But it was actually in, in that game... Rudiger, who was the hero for Chelsea, could have quite easily been the villain for them as well. And, and that's the fine margin, because if you look at um, all the work Click did in the run-up to our second goal and all the all the, all the dribbling, he, he beat like two men, didn't he? He pulled Rudiger out of defence, who was tracking him, played a lovely ball out to the wing. There's all those one-twos. Rudiger was like way out of position and basically cost them that goal. And you think, well, if that had been two all what would their fans have said about Rudiger? But as it happens, he wins a penalty in the last minute and he's the absolute hero and we get tagged in a lot of tweets with pictures of him. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it is it is what it is. And my my overriding thought there is that fine margins and little errors here and there, but we were, we were good in that game. We were really good. We deserved something out of it. Yeah, I think it's the same, but the other way around for Click as well. If, if he hadn't have done that or the ref hadn't given the penalty... Probably after a two-all draw, people would have been piping up saying, "Oh, how good was Click? You know, what That's brilliant it. play! Clicks back! You know, it." And it was a nothing. I mean, it, yes, it was a, a silly mistake, but it was nothing really. You know, I felt sorry for him. It's obviously it's uh, it, it's yeah, just that, one of them. The ref easily couldn't have like might not have given that penalty if we're on another ground. That's that's exactly what I mean. And yeah, I I felt sorry for Click and. He didn't deserve it, and he's a good lad. <laughs> he is a good lad, isn't he? What do you think about it? He's, yeah, he is. He's, he's a, a character. Lad. Yeah. In the, you know, when I've had the pleasure of speaking to him on brief encounters in real life, he's a, a very nice man, and uh, the fact that he makes the time to speak to you when he absolutely doesn't have to says a lot about him. And uh, I think he will have thought, up, probably up until that point, really, that he was quite. You know, he'd endeared himself to the fans and done enough to have that you know, kind of adulation. And it is just, we've said this so many times before, and it's not a new thing whatsoever, but it's just sickening that people think, not even just to football, in life in general, that being on social media gives you a platform to spout hate. These people wouldn't say these things to people's faces, well, most of them wouldn't in real life. And if they do, I, I don't. I'm lucky enough to not have met too many people who are that disgraceful to people's faces. But something really needs to be done about this because it shouldn't just be an open platform for abuse. It's disgusting. Yeah. It it feels like as well that we probably put more of a thing on Twitter and social than they probably do. I think it's a lot of it's actually been blown out of proportion. I think he might have actually just gone away and thought, Oh, do you know what? This I just can't be asked for this, and just just removed it from his phone and and deleted his account, and just not really thought anything of it. You know, no statement about it or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, I'm done with it. Like I'm too busy 
getting on with my life playing football. I just don't need it. So I think, I think as fans, you just kind of, you live in that world, don't you? Craving new news and all the latest gossip. But for a footballer, they don't really need it, do they? But it's kind of, I thought, I, I, I wonder whether, um, you know, because I mean, click, I imagine we'll get adulation on the street everywhere he goes. I can only imagine that people are nice to him. And, you know, um, obviously in, in the ground, he never gets any abuse. So it is, it does interest me to know sort of how, yeah, how it is for them, whether, you know, whether it all balances out or whether it really, really does drag click down. It doesn't seem like the type that, yeah, that would be that, um, you know, no. that dragged down by it. But yeah, who knows? But I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't understand who these people are that, are that are doing this. You know, they're not they're not matchgoers. They can't be. Like, are they just like children? Like, are the robots? What, what the hell's going on? Robot children. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. They are the robot children dog botherers? But you know, I think we aren't public figures. We're a bunch of uh, friends who want to have a chat and put our opinions on the internet. Speak and, yourself. Uh, yeah, but in, but what I was going to say is, in spite of that, when you when you have a a small following, very small following, <laughs> we'll stress on that. There is still the odd occasion when, because we put our opinions out there personally, that people will say some comment on your opinion or com- comment on what you said, and uh, you know, there's times when, let's just say it about Andy because he's not here to defend himself but he may have had a drink or two said something and then people come online and say this that or the other and uh, if you take that where if someone's made a comment about you online that you don't know and then you magnify that by 10 20,000 or whatever scale it up to um, if you do see that and it catches your eye because you tagged in all the stuff then I hope he was your end of the scale where he's just like well this is ludicrous I also I do I do work in a profession where sometimes people talk about you online as well, and uh, that's uh, it's not very nice either. So it's you can't hide from it. It's just the internet, isn't it? It's it's, it's disgusting. Pretty much. I still my in my head I always think the internet and the way we use it has grown far quicker than the etiquette of using it has. But well, and the regulations. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, well, let's get into a bitter moment. Then. No, let's talk about this. Let's not talk about football. I've told you I don't want to talk about it. No, 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 I'm not talking. I'm, I'm still on Saturday. Like, <laughs> okay. so... Uh, I'll send it there. Cheers, good episode, that. No, well, clear this up for me. Is VAR supposed to only intervene if there is a clear and obvious error? Yes. So, for example, in the Crystal Palace game, when that defender punched the ball that and, it, and the penalty wasn't given, that is a clear and obvious error. Yes, black and white. When Rafinha has gone through the man and got the ball and the referee's given a corner, is that a clear and obvious error? It's a load of balls. the VAR overstepped his remit? Honestly, I was so surprised. I, I wasn't even worried, even though it was, you know, Chelsea and Stamford Bridge. I wasn't in the slightest bit worried that he was going to overturn that, apart from, I suppose, that it was Mike Dean. But even still, I mean, you know, we've seen so many, even... You know, there's been a shove here and, you know, they're just not overturning things. But to overturn a scruffy challenge like that, which was so borderline, yeah, that really wound me up. I've said this before, that I think the Newcastle game was so season-defining at that moment because of the fact that with the big injuries, but equally at 1-0 and we've got a chance for a penalty that wasn't given. And he's absolutely gone through 
Dan James on that. And you've got the same VAR, the yeah. same video assistant referee looking at both those things. Um, I, it just shows how, how subjective is it? Like, yeah. still, what is the point of adding in an additional subjective layer? Yeah. I've, I've actually sort of been quite... Like, obviously, when things like that have gone against Leeds, in the back of my mind, I've I've just sort of thought, well... At least it's not getting involved as much, you know. You know, the less I see of VAR, the better. Um, but then when it goes against leads like that, it just compounds it, doesn't it? It's so so frustrating. The thing that annoyed me with that was that Rudiger was just ah, oh, he just plays a blinder with it all the time, doesn't he? That's what's so frustrating about. It. You know, his legs started to go before mm. Rafinha even got there, and it reminded me of was it Mope years ago at, at our place? Yeah. Or? Yeah. And he literally started to fall before oh, was it anyone... Watkins, actually. Was it Watkins? Uh, yeah, 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 I think you're right. Yeah, you're right. And um, yeah, and it's just it is so frustrating, but it's it's clever on their part. But but they are the annoying nuances that referees unfortunately fall for. But if I'm gonna try and link that into um something that happened on Tuesday in Manchester, um it is those moments where I don't know whether it's inexperience, naivety, or directly instructed not to, but we don't do the gamesmanship thing, which is ironic that we got charged yesterday for surrounding the referee in the same game where their players surrounded the referee and didn't get charged for it. Yeah. Well, is it something that we're lacking? Because I still, I still think it's a vast majority. And this is again, I guess, the theme that's ending up here is social media being annoying. But you've got this vocal minority that are really, really loud. And you see it, these people that are calling to be else out, saying it's the worst thing they've ever seen. Is it heck? I mean, we had a chat yesterday. Like Andy said in a chat, in context, Histon was far more embarrassing. I think them in the context of things, the, when we beat them 2-1, that is a much bigger story than them beating us 7-0. So... Yeah. It's well, not. It's not our worst defeat. I. I think that's the one that stays freshest in my mind is still Blackpool at home, five nil or whatever it was. That was just horrendous in comparison to being beaten by a bunch of billionaires. It's a far different thing, and that was way more embarrassing than this. Yeah, we just got caught, didn't we, by a world class team? But I suppose are we, are we are we on that already, or are we coming to it? <laughs> have we got that to look forward to still. What well, else is there from Chelsea that we can hate on? Uh, Joffe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. Don't I don't hate, want to on, hate on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I want to not hate on Firpo. I thought he was absolutely brilliant at Chelsea. And it even got me liking his tash. It really did. Uh, <laughs> do you know when he uh, when he squared up at the final whistle? And I just thought that tash really goes well with him when he's when he's putting head-to-head with somebody. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm converted. You wanted to see that tash kiss someone, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he was probably quite lucky not to get a second yellow then, which would have, uh, you know, the whole butterfly effect. Then he wouldn't have been playing last night. And I'm not saying it was his fault last <laughs> night by any stretch of imagination. He should have got he's, he should have got two yellows last night as well. <laughs> yeah, but he's got a yellow, which means that he's unavailable for for the Arsenal game, which I think is important when we've uh, very very briefly glossed over the Manchester City game uh, that we talk about what we would do in terms of. Uh, lineup for Saturday, um, you know, if football still exists by Saturday. But that was was that a problem for you last night, James? Do you think that he uh, he played the almost the eleven most senior available players 
and fit them in rather than going, right, these are the positions. We're going to play Luke Aileen at right back because he's a right back. We're going to play Firpo there and then we've only got Lamente. So we're going to bring in Charlie Creswell. Well, yeah, just going back to what Rocco said as well, you know, it was brilliant that Gelhart came in and scored off the bench first touch. Brilliant. And yeah, you you thought that would stake a claim for him being in the in the starting lineup for this game. And yeah, I, I'll be honest, I do think it is something that I can't get my head around in terms of not playing like under 23s in, in a position rather than, like you say, playing players out of shape. And the reason why it confuses me is because by the nature of Bielsa, we have a small team because he wants to lean on the under 23s. So if we're going to have a small team, a small squad, then why aren't we leaning on them? Why are we pulling everyone around into into different positions? And, you know, I, I don't know the answers to this, and Bielsa knows way more than me or any of us, but to kind of have that as the sort of fabric of Leeds United and having a small squad, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with what you're saying, but um, in terms of the City game, um, I mean, he, he just picked the same team as Chelsea. And yeah. Chelsea works really well, so it's hard to criticise too much in terms of what Bielsa did. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think Elhart will start on Saturday. Um, if he doesn't, it'll be really, really annoying. I think that Pep prepared for yesterday. I think he probably sacked off preparing for the Wolves game and just put it all in because he said they dropped five points against us last year. That's unacceptable for their standards. And uh, they, they wanted to batter us. Let's talk about it. Doesn't really help when Stuart Dallas has a swing at it on the line. <laughs> you got to laugh, haven't you? Like uh, it was, you know, but that just set the tone, didn't it? It was six aside stuff, that wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, so, big time. How many times do you see that on a Monday night? Like, yeah. Oh dear. It, but it was it was defining that as well because they literally seemed to drop their heads immediately. Stuart Dallas was like, ah. Oh. And because I think they've gone behind first in so many games this season that it's probably a bit demoralising, isn't it? And I think against City, they probably thought, yeah, this is just a battle that we're never going to win. There's no excuses, but it did feel like they switched off immediately after that. I think they also are privy to the information that is not fully publicly available about the extent of other people's injuries. So it's like it probably weighs on these people to an extent that they are the team that's available. They've got to put in a performance. When you go in, like the, there is a psychological element to the game, and we lost it very early on yesterday. And grasping that back always seemed a big challenge. That isn't to say that they didn't like. They continued to compete. They continued to with the work rate. Things just didn't come off, and then we didn't have a defense. Like Stuart Dallas at the post. There were moments in the game. I felt we were good for a goal yesterday. It was just unfortunate that they were very good for at least eight or nine. It was, it was a bit like the City home game, to be fair, the first like 15, 20 minutes where, you know, they battered us last season um, and they went 1-0 up and, you know, you're there thinking those same thoughts, but then somehow we managed to battle our way back into it. And, and there was other games last season like that as well. Liverpool at home, I, I think, was similar but yeah, I, I think, I mean, it, it's it's a shoddy excuse and I don't mean it as an excuse, but I do think, I mean, they've just done that, you know, that Chelsea game on Saturday and then to go and face Man City three days later, I think they just didn't have enough in the tank to to really, mm-hmm. you know, fight it out like like they could do normally. Um, I'd like to think that anyway. I don't, I, you know, I don't think they're, I, th- I just think, yeah, mentally and, and maybe a bit physically, but probably more mentally, they're just, like I said, yeah, they, they seem to shut down. 
I hope that it would have galvanised us the way we lost on Saturday. But equally, it must have been pretty soul destroying. You know how we felt. This is their livelihoods. They have a professional pride, and that was that was it was both the worst and best fixture to get to have to go into next because. There was zero expectation, was it? Like out of these two games, you'd have hoped for a point, maybe three best, but you, you you're not going into them. They're not bankers, you know. Like when everyone was saying, "Well, we're definitely we're beating Crystal Palace, we're beating beating uh, Brentford," and they were saying there was points in the bag. Well, no one was saying that it's about these games. They just wanted a good performance. But the beauty of it is that the next game starts nil nil. It doesn't, you know, we go we're going to Saturday. The injuries are still a concern. What's up with Strauch's foot? It's just exploded or something. <laughs> Beyond that, you start with a clean slate on Saturday afternoon. I hope the players can start with a clean slate. It's the sort of thing that would bog your mind down for quite some time and it'd like, take you a while to get over. Wouldn't want to concede an early goal, would we? Almost like um, PTSD. Yeah, they could do with someone like Phillips in midfield on uh, on Saturday. It's, it is a massive, massive loss. Um I don't know. Like, did I mean Forshaw's not really like, against Chelsea and City? I, I don't think did Forshaw play Phillips's role. I, I don't even know. Um, seemed to play a little bit different, but you know he's, he's not been sitting like Phillips has. He seemed to be more like a two in midfield. So I don't know against Arsenal what what they'll do. Whether Forshaw will play there or they'll mix it around. I think we've all been big fans of Adam Forshaw in recent weeks, but and again amongst others. But last night. It, you're right. Wherever he was positioned, they were very easy to bypass him, and maybe he needed additional support. But maybe it needed Forshaw and click in there. And I don't know what he did. It just we just didn't have enough anywhere was, on the pitch. There was just a massive hole in midfield. <laughs> yeah, it's like every time it went near it, you just thought, "Oh God, here we go again." It's like it was, and when there was someone there, it was just so easy to break through. It's oh God. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the danger when you know you you play man to man and and every single player loses his battle severe, you know, really badly, <laughs> L- yeah. losing every little battle and and the war. Um, yeah, it, it, that's the danger. It's it was horrible, horrible to watch. But you also got to see the uh, the best asset that our club had last night, which is the backs to the wall, come out swinging and singing fan base because there were only three thousand then. And they, you could hear them all night. You don't want to be in one of those uh, backs against the wall. I mean, but people like the best post I saw on social media today was like, if you think that was embarrassing, you're either a brand new fan or a fan who's not bothered since 2004 because there's been so many incident, incidents and games within the last 15, 16, 17 years that have been an absolute horror show in comparison to that. But when you're in those moments as fans, you get this siege mentality and you just like, right, well, we're getting destroyed on the pitch, so we're going to destroy you. You bring out the full repertoire, like 5-0, still don't sing. Six. I've seen it. That Sheffield Wednesday game, 6-0, was miles worse than that because we should have competed yeah. toe-to-toe with them. So it was, it was absolutely miles worse. Whereas last night, you know, anything there is a bonus and we've already embarrassed them earlier this year. But yeah, the fans I thought were were phenomenal. I don't know where the hell the, the Man City fans were disappearing off to before the end, because like I'd have been ex, like staying in case they got double figures. It was half empty. It was probably like two or three minutes to go. It no, it is it's awful. I mean, I mean to be fair, the City fans I didn't think they were that bad. In fact, they were better than I expected them to be. But um, 
yeah, it's just I, I would never want Leeds to get to that stage where you know you, you, it is a, it's a stadium full of tourists, pretty much. Glass tunnel they have. Have you ever seen that? Oh God, yeah. And they have like meals like <laughs> overlooking the players coming through the tunnel. It's like what the hell? Yeah. And, but but like you say, you just hope it doesn't happen at our club. But I think it probably will at some point. You never know. I know. Unless we go down. Unless we go down, yeah. <laughs> I know a few proper, like, long-standing Manchester City fans who've been through the same thing. Noel Gallagher. Yeah, me and Noel, tight. But who've been through the same things that we... Liam Gallagher. Like, yeah. Go on. Ricky Hatton. Oh, fair play. Right, name another. <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm done. Jack Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do wonder what it's like to be those guys, because I know that they must be proud and, and enjoy the success, but equally, they, do you think they care about... The fact that it's all bought. There was no passion last night. Like I'm sure they enjoyed the match, but like it was never loud. Like they're, they're never celebrating. Like you know, like Ellen Road does pretty much whenever we score. Um, ah, it, no, I, I, they've got to the stage where they just expect to win. They turn up. They're hoping to be entertained, I suppose. But yeah, there's not a lot of passion. I suppose maybe in the running, it's going to be different, and maybe in the big European nights. Well, the fans pulled out last night that is this a library chant? And I think some people have criticised them for that, for saying it's a bit corny. But I went to, Matthew and I went on a Friday night to Highbury and saw us get beat 5 0 by Thierry Henry. And uh, we we were singing that night. And when we came out of the ground, we had Pete Arsenal fans stopping us and saying, You guys are amazing. So they were like, when they, I mean, that was another one of those nights where you absolutely battered. But it meant something that that day. But well, I suppose that's a good segue into uh, talking about the Arsenal game. <laughs> At least let's, he can't play on Saturday. Let's have another battering. God, Rocco. Actually, you said Man City was the one that we were. We were no, you said Arsenal was the one that we could potentially yeah. win. But you did say, oh, I don't know, Man City. Would be <laughs> I think I said Man City are the worst of the three. So yeah, bring on Liverpool. <laughs> I'm going to be right about Arsenal. I'm usually right 50% of the time, so uh, yeah, buckle up. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because I think um, I think you you mentioned it earlier that we've got a chance to sort of jump on from here. But my view is that uh, you get a lot of people where it's oh, it's the springboard, you know, the bottom the springboard for us to jump up and then go on a, a really good run. And then there's others that are like, well, it's the it's the plasterboard. You're going to fall through the ceiling into the the championship um but i don't think it's either of them i just think it's it's another difficult game and we've got players coming back we're still a good side that play really good football and i just think it's going to be a, a long long few months to be honest i don't think there's it's going to be solved uh in the in the in, a, in the run of a few games i hope i'm really wrong and we go on some blinding run but for me i just think it's going to be just drawn out until the, the end of the season sounds fun it is fun. It is fun. Dr- drama is what we crave. No, what... I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know why everyone has to be so polarised about it. I mean, yeah, exactly. I just think we're just a team that are developing, God, the word journey, but we're like, we're, we are on like a journey with Bielsa and, and this is a difficult period and it's been a difficult season and we're having injuries. But, you know, people who talk like the players are never coming back, it's, it's just stupid. Mm. Yeah, they will come back. They, they just will. Um, mm. touch wood I, I'm honestly not that I'm not that but I am worried about with Phillips being out that that definitely is a problem um, that that could become a real problem but generally speaking I, I think there's plenty of positive signs and I'm, I'm sure we'll be absolutely fine 
some fans so let's talk about selection for Saturday so you've got some fans who clamour for for the under 23s and people saying Lewis Bate Lewis Bate and it's funny when they speak to Bielsa about him essentially he goes yeah I know he is <laughs> you get that impression it's like man yeah. Yeah, I'm aware of him. Was it? Like, did uh, did he? He questioned a journalist the other day, didn't he? Was that on Lewis Bate? And he and he said that it's the sort of question that sounds like you're either his agent or a parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well played, Marcelo. That's a that completely schooled that person. I mean, I, I I don't think any too many people would seriously suggest that you jump. You throw someone straight in at the start, having no first team experience on Saturday. But if you were to switch your pegs around a little bit, and obviously we need a left back now, so that's presumably Dallas. Yeah. Then say no one new is available to us. It How might, do you set up? It might put uh, Jack Harrison left back, Jack Harrison left back, Dan James back on the wide left, and stick Joffy up front. Ah, oh, you just don't know, do you? It's. There's, there's so many things he could do. He might completely change it because no matter no matter what he said at the end of the, of yesterday's game, like taking the blame for it all, the thousand yard stare through all of their players as they were coming off the pitch yeah. said said it all that you know that they'd they, they'd not done what was asked of them. So he might just throw, you know, the consistency thing that he has with them all out the window and just you know play what he thinks is best. Yeah, I think the the clue was him bringing on drama, um, and that sort of makes me think that that's his sort of in his head is to play drama right back and and keep Ailing centre back. But then um, I don't know. I, it depends how he thought drama did. I suppose midweek. I don't think he did much um, right or wrong. Do you think that's because he values the central positions more to have senior players in there because they're more important? or because he thinks that drama's ahead of Creswell in his development at the moment. Yeah, I I think he I think he probably likes Ailing at center back. I think Ailing's done really well. I thought thought against Chelsea he was absolutely brilliant. Um I mean yesterday I've not seen the goals back so I think we just don't, have to forget about don't watch the goals back. I'm not going <laughs> to uh, yeah, I just think he I think he probably thinks that Ailing's played well enough to keep his place or to rely upon at center back rather than bringing in Cresswell who I mean, this is the thing, like, EA was brilliant when he came in, but, I mean, he's what's he played? One game. Like, how do we know that he's going to play brilliantly again? You know, he might have a stinker, so I, I well, think he got, probably he got sent off, didn't he, in the under-23s? Did you see the, what the manager said afterwards? That he uh, didn't know he was on a yellow card, otherwise yeah. he wouldn't have made that <laughs> <laughs> I was just smiling to myself a second ago because I remembered looking at uh, stats zone at, like, passes by players, and I think Gelhart had nine passes. And uh, four of them were passes from kickoffs. <laughs> he played pretty well, Gelhart. Yeah, he did. He, he did do he... nice little beat pieces of footwork. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm ruining the structure of this by going back, but I had to bring it up. That was that was Dan James that you shared it about. Was it Dan James? Yeah, I'm sure Gelhart was the same. He had nine passes, and four of them were from kickoff. Probably yeah, carry, the same. Carry on. Yeah, Joe Gelhart, same. Great. <laughs> so, on one of them kickoffs, did they pass to each other? Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, probably going to be more of the same on Saturday in terms of the lineup then. Arsenal got their own problems though. Have they? Tell what me. Are asked that uh, they're, they're drawing got, with West Ham at the moment. They've got to have time. They've got a captaincy crisis at the minute, haven't they? With Obama yeah, Yang. Yeah. Obama Yang went off and got tattooed, didn't he? Instead of, I don't know, quarantining or being a good boy, setting <laughs> an example. So they've got rid of him. 
I don't really know where I'm going with it because I've said a few times let's try and put it in the team, but you've said quite clearly that you can't do so. It's a <laughs> futile effort, isn't it? Joffy up front. It's got. Do you, do you think he will shove Joffy in there? I think he will. I think like you look at Clark. He had quite a long time on the bench, and he was the best player every time he came on. And Gelhart's done that a few times now. He's got a goal. He's confident. I, I really. I mean, if he thinks that James up front is a better option than Gelhart, I, I just can't. I can't believe it. So I don't think he. I don't think he thinks uh, Dan James is a better option up front. I think he's. I think he thinks he's a better option of first line of defence because yeah. he is really good at pressing and, and winning the ball back. And I think that is why he's there. But yeah, it, it irks fans. It's starting to irk fans, isn't it? And Which yeah. is the difficult thing as well. But I understand why he's picking him. But on paper, just like, why the hell is there a winger up front? Like, who? how is, how is he going to score our goals? But it's more than that, I think. I, um, I'd like to suggest... Uh, Rafinha um, pulled inside, maybe even at eight. Like, why not? You know, he can get the ball, he can turn, he'll dribble, he'll play one twos. I honestly think like he's he's just been wasted on the wing at the moment. Um, he's he's not actually. I mean, he scored all our goals, but he's not getting involved in games enough. Um, last few weeks, at least, it's uh, a bit. It's a bit like um, it's a different version, but it's a bit like Pablo back in the day, isn't it? It's like on the wing, he, he stops being able to do anything if there's no one around him to to give him yeah. the ball. But as soon as you brought him in the middle, he's like, there you go. The game's yours, mate. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm struggling to think, uh, you know, why not, why not give it a bash, especially when we don't really have many midfielders. Well, there you go. I don't think much else has happened in the world of Leeds United because we've obviously been quite uh, focused on on-the-pitch matters. Um, you have to sign a form now to get into Ellen Road. On uh, You have to tell them you promise. <laughs> they've also said that you're not allowed to just... Because I think they could see this coming a mile off. You're not allowed to just turn up with a piece of plastic that says you have, haven't got COVID. So, <laughs> Which I bet there's still a thousand people bring a little piece of plastic. Absolutely leathered on Saturday. You'll probably get some people bringing pregnancy tests, won't you? <laughs> God, yeah, it's a 5.30 kickoff as well, isn't it? It's going to be carny. Because there's so many people now that are saying, this may be my last taste of freedom because mm. they feel that the writing is on the wall. And I, wouldn't, I don't want to get political, obviously, but the pandemic is a, a, another point that feels like it's a, maybe a bit of a crossroads again and... Uh, Games have been postponed. There's a game being postponed tonight. It's making the league look a bit disjointed again in terms of games played. Teams don't. Teams are going to have to catch up fixtures. So, I guess for fans saying, "I know that I'm allowed to drink on Saturday. I know that I'm allowed to see my friends. I don't know that I'd definitely be able to do that by the time Aston Villa comes round. I'm going to get on it. So by five thirty, it could be an absolute mess. Yeah, people pile, trying to pile into the stadium, liquored up. That's gonna be fun, isn't it? Liquored up, COVID pass on the on the phone. Phone's dying, and they can't read the phone. <laughs> so they've gone and done a lateral flow test or a pregnancy test, and they're trying to show that to the stewards and trying to sneak in through the turnstiles. It's just gonna be uh, people are advised to get there early, but no one's getting there early because they're still in the pub. Mm. or they're stuck on the slip road. That's funny you should say that, actually, because uh, I spoke to Matthew last night, actually, and uh, he was saying, I asked him about the turnstile issues at Chelsea, and he was saying, um, I, you know, I just said, is it everything that it made out? I said, what is the problem? He said, 
in my opinion, you know, it's people just turn up five minutes before kickoff and they try and uh, burst their way into the ground. It's and mm. it's true. It's like everyone is in the pub until, until the last second. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way to get around that is that beer is available inside the ground. So, well, I'm not going to be here for the next few games. I'm going to be, uh, well, it depends on regulations and rules and how things change. Enjoy them. Play off abroad. Yeah, Gambia. No, I'm not after the Gambia. Have a lovely time, Paul. Me and Rocco Rocco will uh, soldier on. I'll take my laptop. I should be able to watch all the games. Don't have any other plans. Portuguese commentary. No, it'll be it'll be uh, full of goon. It, like I th- I'm going to probably probably will be Portuguese commentary because if I go to the bar, it'll be full of Arsenal fans, full of Liverpool. Last year I sat and watched on my birthday the Man- Manchester United game. <laughs> it was horrific. I didn't even go to the pub. I stayed at home to avoid being in with a load of their lot and. People like, oh my god! Before my stream even started, and by the time I like, it was two nil already, and I could hear them at the pub in the distance. Anyway, this year's going to be totally different because we've only got Arsenal and Liverpool. There's a lot of pressure on that Liverpool one now, isn't there? Imagine if they score a couple of early goals; it'll just be absolute panic stations. I'm due before... to land back at half time in the Aston Villa game, and that's going to be one of those moments when you turn on you're like. Oh. I'll just be nervous for the last two hours of flying. Oh, don't worry, though. They're just about hitting form as well, so... That's oh, fine. yeah, they've won about 12 out of the last 13 or something stupid since uh, the Scouse Messiah turned up. How do you think we're going to do... Let's leave it at this. How do you think we're going to do next two games? Arsenal, Liverpool. Nil Three points. points. Nil points, Paul. Yeah. Jeez. Three points. Three points? You can't three. draw You can't draw three times against two teams, Rocker. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> if I don't we, think we're getting anything until Burnley. Jesus. I think that is the thing, though, like with Villa coming two days after Liverpool, that's pretty harsh. If we can get points at Arsenal, then brilliant. That'll be good. That will be great. It's going to be great. We're going to smash them. Well, I'm normally the optimistic one, so... Uh, that's let's... it. You leave us with your pessimism and bugger off on holiday. Cheers, Paul. Yeah, well, enjoy your pandemic. <laughs> and, your, and your injury crisis tell me how it works out I'm just going to come back halfway through the Aston Villa game and see what's happened oh, God. hopefully we'll have a few points in our back pocket be excited about our West Ham double header and uh, take it from there right well enjoy fingers crossed big performance on Saturday we're definitely going to do it says Rocco <laughs> Podcast Network.